0: Welcome to the Freedom Fridays podcast with me your host Pete Clark, the Whispers Guy. Work seems to expand to the time that we give it and I've been investing my time occasionally on a Friday to explore how we use our time, our energy, our attention and the impact it has on our identity. I've been exploring over season one some of the mindset shifts in the handcuffs of i have to to the freedom of i choose to and i've shared some conversations some tips some tools about how you might want to invest your own time your own energy your own attention how you might want to if you choose to make some changes to your identity how you might have freedom from i have to and design a life around i choose to if that's of interest to you then this is the podcast for you in season 2 I'm going to be exploring some experts and asking them what freedom means for them and trying to help people work to live and not live to work, trying to help people add life to their years and not just years to their life. So let's dive on in and here's season two. Welcome everyone to this the latest episode of freedom fridays so my guest today is according to his website he's a scot with an irish name and an english accent who's an aussie and so i'm a scot with a scottish name with an english family who's got an aussie passport so welcome to the to the show conor o'malley
1: fantastic thanks very much pete a, uh, a kindred spirit i fear uh, that we're having a conversation with today and thank you for the opportunity and i hope what we share uh, is of interest to your listeners
0: you're welcome Connor. and you know we had a conversation prior to the recording and there are quite a few connections that we've got you know given our backgrounds and so we may get into that space um, in the conversation but as I said Connor, the I start these with the same question you know Freedom Fridays in the line of work that you do what does freedom mean
1: Great question. What a, a, a good one to start with. Freedom for me in this context is in two, two domains, Pete. Mm-hmm. One is, uh, I'll say, an internal freedom is is how do we free ourselves to uh, potentially do our best work? How do we free ourselves to be our best self? How do we free ourselves to be the best person and partner, father, husband, the, the friend, that, that we can be. So there's an internal freedom which then potentially gives us an external freedom, which is the way in which we do things. And you know, you mentioned look in my profile and you, you'll know that I bring this distinction to the world, again through my learning and standing on the shoulders of others in my learning, um, of our way of being and our way of doing. And as soon as I heard the notion of you know freedom, uh, it, um, it brings that, that distinction of being and doing.
0: Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm already assuming this could go on for quite a while. <laughs> this is, you know, this is both in our sweet spots here. Let, let me start by, when did you come to this conclusion?
1: Very good question. When did I first learn about the notion of way of being? Yep. Was, which I know is not the, uh, I'm not trying to do that now. The question you meant to ask Pete was, I'm not (laughs) going to, I will answer your question. I will answer your question. Um, But I feel it needs a wee bit of context, um, which is in uh, 2017, I left the executive world of corporate leadership, essentially in the supply chain to move into the world of coaching. And through that, I came across a a particular philosophy of coaching of which was around our way of being. And there's a core learning that I kind of uh, was privileged to 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 um, to learn through. But in answer to your question, I now make a slightly different distinction myself through my experience of not only that learning journey, but also my coaching and my life journey now between way of being and way of doing so. When did I actually make this distinction? Uh, Maybe 12 months ago after I wrote my my book. But even in my book, it still is, I'll say, more of a theoretical distinction of this philosophy of coaching called ontology. And I would say now, which is why I guess I'm doing my second edition of the book, because I feel it needs tweaking to now my distinction of what is way of being and way of doing, which is internal freedom and external freedom using the language of earlier on. Hmm. So maybe a year.
0: Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to guess, though, that that philosophy or that conclusion has been whispering to you for years.
1: What's the distinction of years? I, I would certainly say not up to five years ago. Um, okay. Because uh, we're talking about stories, so, so an argument of, of, a, of an internal freedom In our way of being is freeing ourselves in our internal language from the stories that we've lived with so for me that would be an internal freedom is freeing ourselves from our previously held stories now first of all we've got to recognize them i would use the word observe and then we've got to choose to shift our narrative Mm -hmm. which i believe we can i I believe strongly that you can choose to re-narrate your stories and my story, as I mentioned earlier on to you, was um, up to five years ago, unless, you know, I'm the CEO of a, you know, many multi-million, if not a multi-billion uh, FMCG, third-party logistics business, maybe a wholesaler, that that I in my career am, am not a success. It was very binary. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought through that success would come, you know, the way that you could support your family and so many other things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, driven by ego? Yeah, in part, for sure. Sure. Um, not proud of saying that, but I can now recognize that that was a story that, that I was living with all the way through you know, school life, through university and so on and so forth. Let's say mm. had to be the captain, the leader. Mm. Um, that, that no longer is, is the story I carry. And I'm absolutely reconciled and at peace with that, which I would say is, has given me a personal freedom to do what I do and provide a different way of doing coming from that internal freedom of letting go of that story.
0: Um, Connor, my experience of, and I'd be the same in many ways, but different ways of falling for the ego traps. So let, let's accept that where yep. many people fall into. What I'm interested in, I don't know if you've had any thoughts about this. Usually our ego is masking an unmet need. And I'm wondering if you've reflected in being the captain of the rugby team, the football team, the multi-million dollar industry, blah 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 blah. Do, do you do you recognize now what need in you was unmet? Great,
1: great question. Uh, another way of looking at that is 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 a concern. So a concern that we need to take care of, or or as you say, an un, an unmet need. Um, Um, difficult to answer specifically with one thing. I, you know, uh, I think the concern that I had to take care of, or, or, or the unmet need was, which doesn't feel like it's the answer to the question, but it feels like the answer to the question is being the leader and always having to be the leader. Now, for me, uh, here we go. Okay, I think a distinction is emerging for me, even in this conversation, and this might be a revelation in itself. For me, if therefore not for anybody else, is a is a capital L versus small l. Yep. So for me, leader was capital L, leader of people, leader of others, um, which therefore meant that you were kind of uh, at the arrowhead, if you like. Which certainly leadership is changing, so that's no longer necessary. You know that, that you have to be kind of at the arrowhead of leadership to be a leader with a capital L. Yep. Um, as opposed to you know, there is a notion of a thought leader, for example, uh, or, or, you know, you might say that, that you can be a leader of your profession without necessarily being a leader of others. So I think the story I would have been carrying and what I had to let go of was that leadership is simply leading others, leading a team, leading a business, uh, being the captain. And it comes in many, many other forms now. Um, mm. yeah.
0: you, you certainly, we both talked about our kind of, love of sport and you see in sport certainly many many different forms of captains people that lead the team um very different Uh, and you know i i certainly see that in organizations now and i'm not saying one is necessarily better than the other but you certainly see different some i would say aren't equipped for it necessarily because they've gotten the job because they're good at the job they're subordinates do, you know, the, the best salesperson gets the sales manager's job right. and you lose two good people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. so I'm wondering what your experience of that is, we maybe jump into corporate for a second, I'm going to move Go around on. a little bit, what's, you said leadership is changing.
1: Yeah.
0: What's it changing from to, and why? Thank
1: you. I'll start by saying, now my, my definition of what is a leader is a person who others choose to follow. Now, I know I've read that somewhere and I've heard that, on a, you know, heard that. So I can't remember where I heard it, but, but I, that really resonates with me. So so this notion of capital L, small L is with a small L and a leader is a person who others choose to follow. In other words, putting in their discretionary effort or that person uh, takes care of their unmet needs or their concerns and therefore they choose to follow that person. So that, that's a, my um, definition, if you like of of what is or who is a leader or what a leader is uh leadership is changing in my view in a couple of core ways at the c-suite level i think leadership is changing where leaders have now to be more leaders in society than solely of their business right and that actually comes to the notion of trust because trust in the classic institutions of state of media of church uh uh, ironically even not for profits um is is lessening and and that specifically comes from the edelman trust barometer you know Mm -hmm. 2020 21 22 the the last three years and more but certainly last three years each year that uh there is an expectation that leaders of business need to are are more trusted than other areas and therefore i'm drawing the conclusion as they do that um Those leaders need to be more leaders in society than was previously the case, because there's a there's not trust in the other typical or classic, I should say, institutions that were. Mm. And I think that in itself heightens the importance of leaders being more self-aware, having a greater understanding of purpose and where they stand on certain issues, because they will be expected to uh, speak about those particular issues. So they better have a position. And I think that comes from within, that comes from their being, that comes mm. from their narratives, their values and so on and so forth. So that's one area it's changing. And the other area it's changing for me is, is the, the how of leadership. Uh, more empathy, more curiosity, more co-creation. Uh, you know, here's, here's a question I believe need, leaders now need to be able to ask is not only, uh, so Pete, you know, what do you think? They now need to ask Pete, "How are you feeling?" It's a completely different question, and they also have to have the competency to respond to the person who answers the question, "How they're feeling," as opposed to "What do you What do you think?" Yeah. So, and who's who's uh, looking for that? I think you know, uh, millennials are certainly looking more for, or they're not looking for, the ego fueled "my way or the highway" style leadership. That that you know that that is the leadership to a degree I was brought up in, especially in trucks and sheds and distribution centres yeah. and unions. Um, so there's still importance of decision making. There's still importance of creating a vision. There's still importance of alignment, but not the ego fueled my way or the highway. This is the way we're going to do it. And then you know two other areas. Thank God for this. There are more women who, in my view, are becoming more and more empowered. In leadership in general in business, and Mm -hmm. certainly more women in the C suite, not enough, but certainly, you know, we want more, uh, or I certainly want more, and I believe the world and business wants more. And then there are also, you know, the minority groups without going into all of them who should have and need their voice to be heard. Now, that takes a different style of leadership in terms of empathy, in terms of listening, in terms of curiosity, in terms of co creation. Um, That was not the case certainly 10 but certainly 20 years ago but even five years ago it's changing and then if we bring in covid and the notion of trust and working from home and what is culture you know it's 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 changing and then if you you know bring the last one in you might say with regards to you know the amount of information that is being uh piled on leaders I mean that's a metaphor almost or an image piled on leaders they've got to cut through it um, and I, and I love the question with, uh, uh, or that Karen in one of your previous podcasts raised and said, and I forget who she said it about, or who said it is the currency of knowledge is, um, not what I know, but it's, you know, it's around the currency of being able to ask the questions. And I think that is, that is so true. So there's mm. how leadership is changing. And I hope that the work that I do serves those leaders, um, shift elements of their way of being. Mm. to support them being more effective in their way of doing as a leader yeah
0: i have often said with again sometimes i have i feel like i have to be careful with certain clients because you've i'm trying to meet them where they're at yes and if i find the right space i would often say things like we we've over glamorized knowledge and diluted connection nice so by me knowing more and me telling you more and sharing it, you know, I, I disconnect from actually what's going on with you. Hence why I am going kind to of circle back to my question about unmet needs. I think COVID has piled on people even more unmet needs, as in so many people aren't seen, aren't heard, aren't held yep. just for who they are, let alone what they could be. Yep. And I think that's creating all sorts of issues Separately, that, that's probably another podcast, Connor. Indeed, indeed. Um, I'm going to play contrarian, if you, if you don't mind, just for no, the purpose it. of the, the conversation. And I actually quite like your simple, uh, but not simplistic definition of leader, as in someone you choose to follow.
1: Yeah.
0: So how does that reconcile with TikTok influencers? Because there's many, many millions of people choose to follow those. Are they Are they leaders? And if they are, why? And if they aren't, why? Because I love the simplicity of choose to follow. Or could you, would you I would say they are
1: leaders. Now, whether we want to acknowledge that they're leaders, given our distinction of what we might see as a leader um, in a particular realm. But uh, yeah, I would say that the person who is the kind of um, you Butte kind of TikTok kind of dancer or whatever they do, are they uh, a leader? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable, small okay. l. So, so again, this distinction, yeah, yeah. you know, in my, even in my own head, in my own language of large l, small l, but, you know, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm quite comfortable. Now, what? The, am I comfortable in what they're leading? Maybe not, <laughs> but that's, that's, yeah. that's my- That's, that's my our judgment, assessment. right? That's, that's our judgment, our assessment, mm-hmm. that that's not a thing of value that you're leading. I may or may not feel that. Yeah, but um, is that to say they're not a leader? No, I don't think it is. And
0: it's a slightly off tangent, off piece comment that kind of backs up what I think we're both seeing here. Is I was listening this morning to a podcast. Um, I don't know if you know Sam Harris. No, he's a US um, neuroscientist. He's got uh, Waking Up um, is his app, and he does podcasts. He does a kind of show with Ricky Gervais and you know he's, he's pretty pretty well known right. one of his mates is Joe Rogan right who as you may know has the biggest podcast on the planet right and he I was listening to the his pot Sam Harris's podcast about the apology that Joe Rogan had to make or felt he had to make about a couple of things using the n-word 10 years ago in yep. some of his comments and the interesting thing I felt that Sam Harris was saying was Joe Rogan's only recently become fully aware of the impact that he has. Oh, he has God. more reach than any of the news agencies combined.
1: Indeed.
0: Now, he can, he, what was interesting, he said he kind of gets away with it because, he, oh, I'm just a comic. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. So I'm just going to say... and more laterally what i'm hearing sam harris saying given his reach given his multi-million people following him yeah. he might have to tighten the range or tighten the 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 spread of, of his opinions yeah. based on you know we know the power of words all it takes is it's not a race yeah. and suddenly you have yeah. an impact on society and so I do wonder if those that do have followers, whether it's corporate or TikTok or Joe Rogan, really fully understand the impact a call. of a phrase, a word, yeah. a full stop.
1: I agree. And, and, and what's resonating for me is a couple of, couple of things here, Pete, if I may. One is, um, rightly or wrongly, but in my listening, it confirms that uh, they are leaders of and in society. And yeah. therefore, there's a responsibility that comes with that, that they at least need to acknowledge and then they can have a ch- choice as to where, what they want to do with that. So that's the first thing. So is leadership changing people more leaders in society than before? That kind of proves that thesis for me in my listening. Mm-hmm. And the other one is um, the notion of allyship, which I don't know if you've done any work or, or, or in that. I've in heard that, the phrase. Um, so, at a, at a headline level, um, the notion of allyship can come in different domains. So, for me, I have been it, I have been told that I am a, a ally for women in leadership, given the work that I do in the space of mentoring women leaders, especially in the supply chain space. Yep. And my understanding of that is, you cannot call yourself an ally; it needs to be conferred on you. That's the first thing. Okay. And it's conferred on you because those people of whom you may wish to try to be an ally for or of that only they can determine whether you are or not and the other core element of being an ally and this what really resonated for me when you were sharing your story there about the 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 podcast um is is a recognition of one's own place relative to those who see you an ally now I, i know i had a privileged upbringing very, you know, uh, I'll say posh English uh, boarding school, yeah. parents living around the world, home up in the islands of Scotland, a- absolutely a privileged background. Mm. What I now realise is that it was even more privileged than I realised it was relative yeah. to so many others. So my, my lens of what privilege was has has massively expanded. And now I believe, and I hope I can say this uh, appropriately for, for those listening that as a white middle-aged bloke that in itself gives one privilege in, in, in today's, in today's society, then Mm. add on the, you know, tertiary education, then add on kind of posh private school, then add on kind of a a life as an expat child, um, Mm. living in the highlands of Scotland. It's layer on layer on layer of privilege. Now I didn't see that. Mm. So now I can appreciate far more that, um, there's, there's, a, there's a place that others will see me that I never saw myself. I'm only now starting to see that. So that, in my reading of allyship, are the two core areas that um, are, are critical. Then it goes into being a learner. So, so then it really is around um, understanding and having an empathy and being a learner of those who see you as an ally. Um, anyway, that's, that's where... Your uh, story of the podcast, and that uh, those two individuals took me to. Um,
0: can you just explain that a, a bit, Kyle? What, what is being a learner of those you are shipped oh, with? I can't oh, remember the
1: phrase. Or oh, oh, an is, ally to, an ally with. What does that?
0: What does that mean? How do, it means how understanding do you? Understanding their up?
1: stories. So, at a headline level, it means understanding your stories. Um, okay. There's a, there's in in the coaching practice, the philosophy of ontological coaching that I bring to the world. You know, and it's actually one of my hashtags is hashtag legitimate other. So there's this notion of how do I hold the other person who I'm in a conversation with you and mm-hmm. I now mm-hmm. in a relationship with kind of big R, small R relative to the ex, you know extent of that relationship? How do I hold you as the legitimate other? And at it is headline level for me. That means understanding your story as best as i can listening to where you're coming from being curious and asking questions now i don't have to agree with it i don't have to agree with your assessments or you know your your views but i have a responsibility to hear you and this is where i've just heard you know you might have heard of the word ubuntu in yes. uh, in yeah so so i hear you i see you yeah that is fundamental as, as i understand it to somebody seeing you as an ally
0: Mm. And I find, Connor that part of my messaging to the leaders I work with is often Ubuntu is enough. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It's often because it's the biggest thing missing. No one hears me, no one sees me, no one holds me. So just someone else, another human doing that in a purely authentic and genuine and real way is like, whoa, that's, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, likewise. And then maybe you talk about language and the importance of language, which is then is is how do we as leaders and as humans, but but in this context, leaders give uh, the space through our language for those to be heard, for those to be seen. And and, and arguably a way that we do this is by being very purposeful with a type of conversation that we have with other individuals and the type of conversation that, that we create for, for others to have. Um, mm. And again, there's a, there's a topic in itself in the notion okay. of you know of, of types of conversations and how arguably, I'll make a statement here, that every conversation that we have can be labeled as a particular type of conversation, every conversation.
0: Mm.
1: And it's been purposeful on knowing that.
0: In the, the work I've done over the years, I'm a firm believer that um, every relationship succeeds slowly or quickly. And so, every, you know, you oh, and I have just connected for the first time, yeah. you know, we've had a few exchange over email, we've connected at least <laughs> on, on Zoom, and, you know, if we meet up face-to-face, that relationship will continue slowly until it gets faster, whereas yeah. we might kind of go, nah, Pete, don't, I'm not so sure about him, I don't like yeah. the way he organized his books and blah, 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 and it might just dissipate for whatever reason, Indeed. Indeed. And, and I wonder how often that happens incorporate beyond, and I'm tagging something else on here, beyond the hierarchy, um, most of the organizations I work with are still, still to this day, which I believe in a little bit of reading I've done, you know, the boxes and lines, here's the org chart. Yeah, that's a hundred year old philosophy.
1: Yeah.
0: And yet we still use it.
1: Indeed.
0: Because we haven't found a different or better way to signify visualize how does what does the organization look like so let's go to the old boxes and wires boxes and lines and so there's some hierarchical aspect oh I report to Connor so therefore I can't do this and I have to do that yeah and I'm wondering how often do you see that show up and are there any antidotes to it?
1: Well, there'd be those listening who would argue the antidote is um, agile working and scrums and, you know, different structures there. And I have I'm going to say I have not worked in that space where I can actually say it is an antidote or not. However, my sense is that it's simply another structure which creates Mm -hmm. some of the same challenges that we're that we're referring to. But Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that it may well be an antidote and it certainly is emerging as a potentially different way to the hierarchical structure so that having been said. Um, uh, if, if we go so uh, again i'm going to go to this distinction of way of being way of doing I firmly believe that language, the audible language that we use is a way of doing. So I do not subscribe to action speaks louder than words per se. Okay. I I would have done, I get it, and I even get the notion of it, but I actually choose not to subscribe to that. Why? Because used effectively, language is action. So in part for me, it is how we as leaders are aware of the language that we use, you know, that, that we hear in our own way of being in our in our own inner you know, listening and then how do we construct the environment bit of repetition here apologize how do we construct the environment such that facilitates us having purposeful conversations mm-hmm. that you know i feel as drifting maybe into the domain of psychological safety and 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 again ubuntu people being heard you know that, that they can share in a safe environment what it is that they're thinking That then leads to seeing possibilities so again you know how is leadership changing it is being open to more possibilities it is allowing the space for those possibilities to emerge again i know i've used it at least twice maybe this is a third time and co-create outcomes but then some of the old kind of good stuff kicks in right okay have we got a decision yeah we do you know, are we going to deliver on this? How are we going to deliver on it? What's the KPIs? What's the objectives? What's the milestones? None of that changes. You know, that doesn't change. We still need to to get stuff done. Kind of have that paradigm of of you know, um, gosh, what was it? You know, a racy model. If one of you know, one of anything else, and project management of the nineteen eighties. I mean, yeah. it still works. Yeah. Um, but how we get there is is now different.
0: Um, could you explain, if, if possible? Um, I know people listening will think they might understand, and some will and some won't, the distinction between uh, being and doing. And you said at the start, you know, freedom from, you know, internal freedom from how you were being and leads to external freedom to what you can now do, So, you know, paraphrased. What, what's the difference between being and doing?
1: So I'd ask yourself and the listeners to think of two Venn diagrams, the best way I can describe it, two Venn diagrams. Way of being, the first circle is our language in our own head. So what are we saying to ourselves? What are our stories? What is our internal narrative, our internal dialogue? Mm -hmm. The second circle is our moods and emotions, uh, or as Dan Newby says, the energy that moves us, an amazing uh, person who works in, in, in emotional uh, literacy and emotional awareness. Mm-hmm. I do not use the word emotional intelligence. I feel that's kind of not, not a like space. an oxymoron. I, yes, I agree. So the first so way of being the language in our head, the stories we tell ourselves, our moods and emotions, what we feel. And then the third circle is in the domain of somatics and body, which is, and the way I make that distinction is what we sense and what we notice. Mm -hmm. We don't try and put a label to it. It could literally be shoulder, nose, toenail, ear, forehead, eyebrow, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: heart, tummy, knee. That's sense, notice. So those are the three domains of our way of being. Mm -hmm. The way I describe way of doing is I'll start again with language, the audible language that others hear, how we make meaning through language for others in a purposeful way. That to me is a doing. The other circle in the uh, Venn diagram of doing is our behaviors, Mm -hmm. how we behave. That is manifestly evident to others around us. So it is what they see and to a degree what they might feel is our behavior, and then the third circle is the action that we take, which covers everything else, really, in the in the domain <laughs> yeah. of in the domain of doing. Yeah. So hopefully that makes sense. Two Venn diagrams. Yep. Inner language moves emotions, physiology in being, audible language, behavior, and action taking in doing.
0: Hmm. Now I know I, I, I'm going to guess that you're faced with the same questions. Um, most people, I think, would then ask, well, how? Mm. And I'm not sure it's necessarily the best question. However, it will get asked. How, yeah. how do you make that switch? Do you have to do all three to, fix, to change all three? Do you have to do, is one trump the other? Can you maybe explain? If well, someone, if someone how... comes to the same conclusion that you do and go, oh, hang on, time for a pivot. Yep. I need to change my way of being so I can change my way of doing.
1: How do you, where do you start? Well, I wouldn't use uh, "change" as a strong word. So, a word that might uh, suit uh, or sit more with the listeners is "shift." Shift. I mean, shift and change—they could be the same, but, but in my listening, shift is more subtle. Change is maybe an outcome of multiple shifts. So mm-hmm. that—that's one one element.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and my my answer to the how is actually uh, my—I will say—life and my coaching philosophy and framework for my coaching, which are these three words, observe, choose, act. So first of all, I must observe my way of being. What's way of being? Okay, I can observe my stories, I can observe my energy, my moods, my emotions, and I can observe my physiology. So that's observe internally. And then I also must observe the external environment within which I am living and or leading. Mm And I do believe that our external observation comes from within. So it's an inside out observation, not an outside in. So by observing self and being a different observer of self, we can see the world differently. So that's what I mean by observe. Mm -hmm. Even some way of self observation and or observation of the world in which we're living leading in. And we make some shifts. So, for example, in the domain of our moods, we shift from uh, a below the line to above the line. Let's say from a mood of uh, uh, anxiety and we shift to a mood of curiosity. Is that possible? I believe it is possible. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That means that we will probably be more open to possibilities. We will be more effective in dealing with uncertainty. We'll be more open to knowing as opposed to not knowing. So that will open us to more possibilities, which is the notion of choice. We're still going to have to choose some. We can't choose all the possibilities. We're going to have to make some choice. Mm. Okay, great. And then if we've made our choices, all right, what action am I going to take? And that's both in the domain of what and how. So what action action am I going to take? And how am I going to do it? And the how comes in your behavior and comes in the how you use language.
0: Mm.
1: Hence, observe, choose, act is my Mm. life and coaching framework
0: lovely um I can see in that definition Connor that it's maybe this is our our challenge as executive coaches I, I can see it's very obvious to me that someone needs someone alongside them to help them remind them cajole them push them pull them cuddle them hold them bar, you know all you know, whatever adjective you like and yet people don't
1: any thoughts on why? Yeah, because it's tough. It's bloody tough. <laughs> it's it's tough, tough to open yourself up to that because a couple of, you know, uh, words I didn't hear, and I know that you you do this also, but would be challenge. So, you know, executive coaching, you know, the person who is the coach will and should challenge respectfully, hashtag the legitimate other, but at the same stage, asking really searching questions mm. um, as to, you know, the narrative the person's hearing in their head or, or what they're feeling or, or, or what's happening within their somatic and their, their, their body. Um, so it's hard, is one response. Um, yeah. And here's, here's the other response. So, which comes from a place of you know, what, which isn't the question you've asked, but I'll come back to kind of why it's taken me there. The ultimate um, reference point for me whether I can work with somebody or not. Now, they've got lots of reference points, whether they choose to work with me or not, but my ultimate one is, are you a learner? And if the person who I'm working with is not a learner and open to learning and being in a, I will use the notion of a way of being that is a learning way of being, I yeah. do uh, Pete, I don't think I've got got anything in my tool bag that that can really help a person who's not open to learning.
0: Mm. I'll give you a frame that I would use in that circumstance, but I'm also interested in how do you probe that? Because I'm going to guess, I'm going to make a big assumption here that most of the people we've spoken to are probably, you know, they've got some background, whether it's privileged or not, whether it's education or not, it almost doesn't matter. If you ask most of us will be working with adults. Do you like to learn? Yes, is the answer. Are you a learner? Yes, is the answer. Do you like to, le- yeah. M- I'm gonna guess that most of the answers would be been the affirmative. Of course, I love to learn, Connie. Yeah. Of course, I'm gonna do this. How do you probe to find out how serious they are? Because you and I both know it's so easy to say it yep. and actually bloody hard to do it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I think it comes from the distinction of what is being a learner. Uh-huh. And I just because what you know, I mean, was I a learner at school? Absolutely not. Was I a learner at university? Absolutely not. And was I a learner through most of my uh, career? I would say absolutely not. Now, did I learn heaps? Absolutely. Was I of a way of being that was a learner to be um, the joy of learning and the joy of finding out for no real um, because catching my words here, but I'm going to go with it for no overall purpose other than to be a learner. Um, I I, I learned for an outcome, I learned for an outcome. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. So you should. But I think there's a much bigger as well as so you know, this is where the notion being curious comes in is is, uh, you know, maybe I could ask, are you are you curious? But again, I, I when I've asked that question before, people think i'm curious to learn it's a two so there's a there's almost a a chicken and egg going on um so people will say a learning mindset so you know that's typically what a lot of people would say you know i i would in the work that i do prefer to see it as a a uh, almost a mood an energy a way of being that is being a learner and open to learning almost with no consequences that Yeah, that there's a different level. Uh, there, there is this notion. If you want to, you know, take it here. There is a notion of second-order learning, which actually gets into the domain of existentialism and actually being an observer of self. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I don't. I, I rarely would go there in the in the notion of an explanation of you know, yeah. I, t- wouldn't, I wouldn't. i around second-order learning and existentialism, and but but that's really a lot of uh, what it could come down to is is being yeah. an observer of self, and an open observer. Um, you know, of, of those around you and the world around you.
0: I'm, I'm playing with this myself, Connor, is um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing a little bit here. You know, if I ask that question, are you a learner? And, you know, obviously if the answer was no, I'd go, well, we're, we're done here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's assume the answer is yes, I'm a learner. The next question I'd probably ask is, so how do you position yourself as a learner? Yeah, exactly. And that almost gets some transderivational search going and going, what, what, what do you mean? Exactly. I don't understand the question, exactly. and that's partly my point. Yes. And then if they're able to answer that question, you know, it's not about actually the answer, it's how they answer the question for right. me. Right. Then I might go down very binary, so learn what? Because if they're then interested and only interested in learning knowledge yes. and learning stuff, yes. then I'm not really... Uh, caveat, I'll come back to it, not really that interested. And what I've come across is things... This distinction between single double and triple loop learning right. where a single loop learning is simply we did something we got it right got it wrong what can we adjust for next time okay whereas yeah. double loop learning and triple loop well double loop is more i think what you've said in terms of secondary where it's whether we got it right or wrong what did we learn
1: yeah
0: and what can we apply in the first and the next time so it's a deeper level
1: yeah.
0: triple loop learning is then even deeper looking at some of the assumptions we make in the first place beautiful and when i've explored that with leaders and groups um it's not and partly it will be my explanation it's not as simple or as easy as it could be but most say they're interested but either they don't want to they don't make the time they've got lower levels of awareness they're too busy focusing on the surface level stuff
1: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And and you've put it far more eloquently than than I was able to. And I'm certainly going to do some research and tip you up after this around triple loop learning, because what I, I think I failed to do effectively was the notion of, I understand it, of first and second order learning is what you've described as first and third. Yeah. 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 yeah so to, to, um, I'm very interested to learn more about that yeah. without it just being stuff <laughs> there you go and then so let me throw the caveat in um,
0: sure. it's amazing when you move out on your own um <laughs> the, the the most popular question i got asked is what are you going to call the business you know apart from pete clark associates or pete clark consulting or you know Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go, I didn't want to make it about me, although, you know, as you heard in the previous podcast with Karen, I am the business, which is Indeed. a challenge in and of itself. Indeed. Indeed. So I came up with um, 21 whispers for the reason that I believe life whispers to us.
1: Yeah.
0: But we only tend to do something when it shouts.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, the 21 is an arbitrary number. It could be four. It could be 22. It could be 647, no idea. But this metaphorical 21st whisper is when somebody does something based on something I do or say or, or how I'm being. And that that there's a story behind that of an actual event that, you know, creates goosebumps in me because this woman came up to me and said, you've changed my life. And it was great at the time. On reflection, now I understand I just happened to be lucky enough to be the 21st whisper because on many occasions i guarantee i've been the 20th yeah <laughs> or the first
1: yeah
0: right so and i'll never hear and should never hear of the impact i've had because that's led them to go and seek out connor and connor does some coaching with them connor says something oh my god connor you've changed my life yeah now what i've reconciled over the years is not all day every day because it doesn't pay the bills But more and more, I'm really comfortable being the third whisper or the eighth whisper or the 20th whisper, because I'm still contributing with an intent to take you to the next door or the next place that will allow someone else to help you see your way of being and your way of doing differently. And it's actually, for me, over the years, it's helped me be okay with not getting the best results externally all the time, because that's not perhaps why I'm there for that person. So coming back to your question about how do you position yourself as a learner, are you a learner? I might be in certain situations really provocative. And, you know, I'm saying this very carefully, piss them off a little bit because I know that will lead them to go somewhere else to potentially hear the 21st whisper from somewhere else. Beautiful,
1: beautiful. Well, not every coach is appropriate for every person. Um, Mm. And any coach who thinks that they are, and in fairness, you know, I don't think many coaches think that they they – uh, are right for every person it, it's about a you know it's about a fit and a match um, so my, my uh, response if your 21st uh, whisper is uh, the CEO's caddy so for me the metaphor I use and was again conferred upon me by a friend actually as we were playing golf he said mate Said, you're like, you're like the the CEO's caddy. And I went, that's it. That's exactly what I what I feel that I do. And I, you know, for me, the notion is I walk alongside my clients. Um, and I know you know you're a golfer too, but anybody who's listening to this and you watch, you know, the the you know the recent PGA championship, if you like, you know, you you, you see the caddies, they're there, they're walking alongside, they're having conversations. They're, they're being truly present with their uh, golfing partner, the player. And then they step away. So, you know, the the notion of taking the action and actually, you know, for any golfer listening, if you don't like anything other said other than observe, choose, act, well, observe, choose, act works on the golf course. Observe yourself, observe the, the ground, <laughs> observe the lie of the land, the choice. What club am I going to take and the action that, that, that you take? So for me, the metaphor of walking alongside my clients yeah. is... Um, is something that, you know, resonates with me. So hence, you know, my brand, if you like, from a business perspective is the CEO's caddy.
0: Yeah, I like it. Um, Connor, I know that you have written a book, which is great. Uh-huh. There's I think there's a book in all of us and mine's just sitting on the shelf still. <laughs> 30,000 <000 laughs> words of draft that I was going to pick up February 2020, but then COVID hit. So I, I will get there, but I'm interested. It's called Trust yeah. and it's essentially about well, why don't you tell the listeners what's the essence of it about? Because I want to ask a couple of questions about. No worries. The main premise.
1: No worries. The main premise is that trust, which is actually the type, the you know, the, the title of the book, trust begins and ends with self. Mm-hmm. So that in yourself is the direct answer to, to the main premise. And um, What I hope I've created through the book um, is some stories to bring context with regards to you know, my own personal story and journey that takes to the point to which I've created uh, a model, which I call the new ordering of trust, which leads the reader through um, beginning with self, this notion of being and doing and taking the leader through um, in essence, a self journey of trust, then a, a way that we can build trust in a one-on-one relationship, then a way that we can build trust with our team. And I do then go into this notion because I do believe leadership is changing about how we can be a more effective leader in and of society. Um, and then very briefly, my goodness, I I go into this space of what I call universal energy. You know, it might be spirituality, might be religion, you know, yeah, I hope this isn't glib. I don't really care what it is for the person who reads it. Hence, this mm. notion of universal energy. You know, is there something bigger than all of us, which ultimately outstrips the ego, possibly even outstrips legacy? Mm. Um, and I feel that if we if we can feel that energy that somewhere within us, then here's the irony: it kind of comes back to self because we're yeah, feeling yeah. it within ourselves.
0: Um, Connor, tell me your your views on. Why? So the question, you know, we should trust ourselves, you know, it starts and ends with ourselves. Why is that such an issue for humans that they don't trust themselves?
1: I think uh, so. the external world, you know, the outside in as opposed to the inside out, there are so many external influences on us, um, yeah, especially societal influences. So words like Should words like have to l- words like must those are external words if that makes sense in this context because they're societal arguably societal expectations
0: yeah.
1: um, and more and more you mentioned tiktok and you know all you know kind of social media today and you know certainly you know uh, we've got elder, you know older children you know 20 for me nearly 29 and 26 year old and i, I know yours uh, 18 22 and 25 but even the young, you know, youngsters today, the young teenagers today, the external influences uh, are, are far greater. So I think that is a massive challenge on trusting oneself. Therefore, um, how do we find a way of understanding self? Um, and then, you know, I guess I feel I'm about to go on a bit of a rant here, but you know, <laughs> the education system of today in the West is still typically a Victorian education system that, that was, you know, in the late industrial revolution, know um and that's still kind of the education today now you know i had great joy of walking past a primary school last year um and there was this notion of um being more self-aware and there was something you know they were talking about whole body listening you know that's fantastic you know they're starting to bring that into the education system today being aware of i would say this wouldn't i our way of being moods energy somatics physiology You know, I I dare say in the schools that we went to, we never heard that. We never got it. So we're not, we're not as typically, you know, here we are, white middle aged men, but I'll say most in the Western world, um, we're not educated in this. And if somebody's listening to this from a different culture, from Asia or whatever, then I, you know, I don't have enough knowledge, but I hope that somewhere in in those cultures, there's more of an understanding of of kind of way of being. Mm. I believe, and certainly for me personally, that's what's helped me uh, understand about trusting myself more. I now got a framework. I mean, you know, does everybody need a framework? I don't know. I, you know. I found it very, very helpful to have these three circles to go, oh, I can I can go into what am I telling myself? What am I feeling? Or what's my body telling me? That helped I, me. I, in the I, 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 know you,
0: I know you don't mean this, but how would someone therefore make the distinction if they pick up what you say, you're a trusting self? How do you make the distinction and help someone see that's not about being arrogant that's not about being narcissistic yeah how, how do you help them make that distinction
1: well uh, in uh, so I'll, I'll go to the age old one which many people uh, and you might have heard is the oxygen mask so you know uh, as as it, you know the the uh, the flight attendant you know says you know what do you do first when the oxygen mask comes down put it on yourself so you can help others so that's one and and i also have this little uh, thing i've created out of, of a coaching session a few years ago and if anybody has a pen and a pencil if you write a little bit little little s and then capital e l f i s h little s it's okay to be a little bit selfish um so i think we have to kind of take that notion that to be our best self we have to Mm. acknowledge understand self be a little bit selfish to then be of service to others
0: Mm. um connor i'm really conscious of time and i'm really grateful for your you know transparency and and insight um i'm going to close if it's okay with a few quick fire questions um you you don't you don't know these are coming so we'll go with these um so are you more sunset or sunrise
1: oh sunrise i'm a five o'clock in the morning person not a six o'clock in the evening person that's like that's okay done next
0: (laughs) right Um, you said you were a scot with an irish name and an english accent living in aussie so at the world cup who do you support
1: which world cup
0: (laughs) any world cup
1: well so there's an interesting one so the rugby world cup yep rugby union world cup that is scotland right without a doubt Um, at the soccer world cup uh, it's been a long time since Ali's army ever made it to the it Soccer worked. World Cup, it so worked. therefore I might just support, uh, support the English in, uh, in, in a Soccer World Cup.
0: Right, okay. Um, <laughs> what's a rule that you like to break?
1: A rule that I like to break? Hmm. rule that I like to break what is emerging for me I'm, I'm going to my body here physiologically what's a rule that I like to break um I'm not sure I've got an answer for that I okay, really don't okay. nothing's emerging to be honest well, what
0: about the opposite what's a maxim you like to live by
1: um asking myself how the mood that I'm in or the language that I'm using is serving me so it's so so turning it into a question is is how how is what i'm feeling how is what i'm thinking serving me
0: okay and then finally what's um one of the books or quotes that's changed your life
1: uh i'll answer both of them so the book undeniably that's changed my my life is uh, coaching to the human soul with by alan sealer who's the you know arguably one of the world leaders of, of ontological coaching and he's written four uh, four edition of you know yeah there's four four editions there's a sequence but in in whole coaching to the human soul by alan sealer and from a, a quote perspective um alan watts who's kind of a a philosopher who said waking up to who you are requires letting go of who you imagine yourself to be and that does. Mike's drop
0: moment there, I think. I think that's a perfect way to pause certainly our public conversation, Connor. Thank you so much. Uh, one for your time, two for your insights. And I look forward to continuing our conversations privately.
1: Pete, thanks very much indeed. And uh, privileged to be on your podcast. Thank you.
0: You're welcome.